Welcome to The Pause with Ellen Wyoming Deloy. That's me, I'm your host. Life can be demanding and most of us get caught up in the busy go, go, go. But there is great value in taking a moment to pause and reflect. Constant momentum doesn't always equate to forward momentum. And I'm here to teach you how to take a strategic pause so that your next step is purposeful and in the direction of your goals. Develop self-awareness and skills that improve your ability to walk through life with intention. This is a path toward a more balanced, fulfilling state of being. Take a beat and then take action. The Pause with Ellen Wyoming Deloy starts now. Hi, good morning. Happy Tuesday. Happy New Year. It's my first show of 2022. And um, yeah, we're ringing it in right. I mean, literally right now, my daughter who just, uh, is, she's five today. Um, she as all five girls are, could not restrain herself. There's a pile of gifts sitting on the dining room table. And I timed, we timed everything just a little bit off today. It was like, oh, she got up late. Oh, I have to do the show. Oh, she's opening presents. Oh, I'm going to. And so like right before the show started, I was running out to catch at least two, two gifts being opened. Um, it's okay. No one panic. My husband's out there. Like it's the pandemic. Nothing is organized. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's been fun. And this has been a really busy time of year for me. And, uh, this is relating a little bit actually to my parent life today's episode, um, or just parent life and child life in general. And so I want to just share with you briefly. I'm sure all of you have been just recovering from the holidays. And then early January is very busy for us in terms of continuing celebrations, because both my kids are actually January. My son's birthday was three days ago. Um, he's three years older. And um, so, yeah, we've just been kind of like figuring it out and then wrestling with some of those emotions that happen because they really want to have a party with their friends. And we're really figuring out how to have something maybe in February or March um, just to be on the on the on the safer side. I know that the views on that really vary significantly across the country in different parts. But here it's pretty, it's still fairly conservative. Everyone's being really careful. And so we're still doing that and it's good. Um, my husband also is uh, like a medical surgical nurse at a hospital and he's not allowed to go to work if anyone in our house gets sick. So we're just keeping it real. Um, anyway, so today's episode is about your inner voice. And um, I have been thinking about it a lot. It, it pops up, um, it pop ups for me from time to time. But the the original way it came up for me, well, I shouldn't say original, but one of the ways that I always think about it is this quote that I saw a few years ago. Um, I don't remember where, but I'm going to guess it was like on Instagram or something. And um, it said, the way that you talk to your child when they're young is the voice, their inner voice that they will hear when they are an adult. And that's always really struck me because the shaping of our inner voice, it really does get shaped by external factors. And yet there is still an inner voice within us that is just ours. And it's kind of looking for what's true for us and not, because often, you know, we walk around in the world and our inner voice is talking to us. It's kind of like, well, of course, it's just talking to us. And so that's the, that's got to be the truth. And maybe some people don't experience an inner voice in, in the same ways, right? It doesn't have to be an auditory voice disembodied speaking to you, right? Um, it can be like those gut sensations or gut feelings, right? We could kind of think of our intuition of our, or our instincts as like 
facets of an inner voice. But I've always been really fascinated with it. And as a parent of young children who are getting older, right? So five and eight, but I have always, um, I just, I've had just had that phrase in my mind and um, it informs a lot of my parenting, probably not in the day-to-day as much as I would like when I'm tired or frustrated or like, don't want the arguing argument to happen or, you know, just, I'm like, okay, I don't have the energy to deal with this like super mom who's going to unravel it and honor every single person's feelings in the right way. Like, I'm just going to put a stop to it. So it's not perfect. (laughs) And by no means am I trying to insinuate at all. If you are a parent who's listening that like, it's all on you. Right. I mean, a lot of stuff is on us, but I mean, let's be real. Like we're humans. Things are super messy. Um, My own journey as being the daughter of my parents is its own journey. And it's been, it's been really interesting, but um, so what are some of the external conditions that can shape our inner voice, right? So I think a lot of it does come from early childhood because that's where our earliest patterns are established, the way that we fit in the world. Um, It is our anchoring for our body to be safe and secure in places. And we all have varied experiences with what that is. Some of us are incredibly fortunate, very safe, really secure, totally loved unconditionally and have that buoyancy. And when we have that type of support um, in our earlier years, there's a, there's, there can be a clarity to an inner voice there, but also I wonder if the inner voice actually has to develop against something kind of pushing up against it every now and then so that the voice knows who it is within ourselves for us to know who we are. So I don't think that there's any one way or perfect way to have been raised or to raise other people. But I think in an awareness and a consciousness of the development of what an inner voice could be is pretty darn important if uh, if you're responsible and tasked for helping young people grow up, regardless if you're their parent or you're a guardian or a caregiver or a, an adult in a child's life, right? Giving them opportunities to really be seen and heard, but then also you're going to butt heads every now and then. It's just going to happen because they're exerting a lot of will as they're kind of developing. Um, this is making me think about how we should talk about development through the chakras at some point, but um, the the that inner voice piece is so critical. And I think the other part I wanted to mention is if you're on the flip side and um, childhood is extra tough and rough, there may be a lot and you have to, if you're growing up in a situation like that, you have to have a lot in place for your safety, security, and well-being that you start to make these um, assumptions about how the world is and what is right and wrong for your safety, right? And so the way the world is when we're between, you know, birth and seven, birth and 10, and I'm not like a developmental child psychologist or anything, but this is my experience reflecting on my own life, talking with my friends about their lives, watching my own children grow. I do read some stuff because I've got kids, but um, that that early developmental period is really where we're shaping a worldview or a lens or a perspective, right? And so that's being shaped in concert together, right? It's a dance, the the body and the environment going through experiences that are shaping kind of like the rules of engagement. And the kid growing up, um, like a bit transient, maybe house to house, parents are working paycheck to paycheck, um, occasionally experiencing about homelessness, 
and then maybe finally finding something settled and grounded, um, that experience is going to be really different than the child who's born to two really wealthy parents who pay for private school, who do like all these different things. So the rules for engagement for both of those people are going to be different, even though like the neutralness of the fact that they just live on a planet called Earth is the exact same, but really different constructs around them and probably extremely different community bases that they're based within that have rules for engagement. Is one of them more right than the other? No, but have they had a significant impact in the development, the development of the perspective and the way that those kids are gonna move through the world? Absolutely. And are they gonna work for them as adults? And that's really what happens, right? If you're listening to this, you're probably not a kid. Um, if you are a kid and you're really interested in this at eight years old, like kudos, that's super cool. But typically it's adults who I'm talking to. And we're all kind of working to unpack the sticky mess that we've been in. And I myself am constantly like, where's the next layer of the onion that I can unpeel around myself to discover what's actually hiding underneath. And sometimes I get really tired of it and I'm like, don't pick up that rock. I don't have the energy to deal with what's under that rock right now. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna sip my cup of coffee, stare out the window and like everything is fine. And everything is fine, but I'm constantly exploring. And if you're listening, you probably are too. Um, and so as we kind of move into what we're looking at as adults and the perspective, I'm always really interested in, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, hold on. Sorry. Jacob is like, wait, do I want to break on the show? No, we're going to just, I'll just keep talking, Jacob. Sorry. <laughs> um, but what does it look like as an adult when we're trying to discover if we're having our truth within our inner voice, right? So the inner voice development is the perspectives that we have about how the world is, what we're allowed to do, what um, we give ourselves permission to do, even if we don't know that we actually have the power of deciding if we have permission. Sometimes this is a, a theme that I that pops up quite a bit when I'm doing readings for folks. Um, like when I'm looking at a picture for them about what's your truth in this situation, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you are moving into a growth period around having permission to do this thing that you want to do for yourself, right? So kind of clearing through the energy of limitation. And so um, um, it's like, it's like how to explain nonlinear concepts through speech is like always really interesting for me. Um, and let's see here, sorry. So how do you know if it's your truth for your inner voice is kind of where I'm going with this. So as we get to be adults, we've got the perspective, it's shaped us. So you got two people, three people, 10, 7 billion people with really different experiences. Some of them thankfully are in common enough, right? Um, like we all shouldn't be murderous, crazy people. And I think 99% of us on the planet, probably even more than that, 99.9, .9, cause there's a lot of us, um, we all want good. We don't wanna be harmed. We don't wanna harm others. And there are some damaged and wounded people out there who do it anyway. But most, for the most part, I like know this looking around in my community, like most of us are just wanting to be good people. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be valued. These are some like common human condition things, right? Um, and we want to know and experience love if we get right down to it. And then on the other side of that, we want to experience love, but we also want to experience healing and forgiveness because like, gosh, we get born, we're born kind of perfect. And then we're, we get shaped with whatever the conditions are. And then we have those conditions kind of ensconced around us as adults. And there's usually a point, if you're really interested in this kind of stuff, you're kind of like, 
this isn't working for me. This isn't right. And what is it that hits you where it's not working quite right anymore? And what is it about your inner voice that helps you to know that? And so let's talk about there are our inner voices, right? And, and kind of extrapolate that to like how we know where we want to move forward. Um, I recently watched this movie. It's called Violet. Uh, it came out last year. It stars Olivia Munn. And I, I thought it was such a great example of like the inner voice concept. Um, they just, it's a, it's a independent film. It's very conceptual. It's about experience and Olivia Munn or the character, she's playing the character Violet. Um, she realizes that the, she calls it the committee in her head. And it's actually a voiceover with the actor, Justin Throw, very deep voice, ominous tones. And he's punishing, he's a punishing inner voice. So she'll be, and she's like a super successful um, television producer, executive kind of person in Los Angeles in the movie. And um, she'll be like working on deals or talking to people and the voice in her head starts to like talk over because she's doing something out of her truth and the voice development, the vo development of this voice is also out of the truth. It's the voice that got shaped through her childhood. And we get a flashback of like a punitive kind of shaming, punishing family framework that intuits, right? That this was the development of her inner voice. And um, so she's sitting like at dinner in a scene with a friend of hers and she's going, the committee in my head, you know, he's it's like, they're always telling me to do this, but it feels really bad every time I do that, even though that's what keeps me safe. And, um, and it's cool because in these moments where she's like tolerating her jerk boss, shaming her in front of a group of people because he is taking a power trip because she actually just did something really great. And he's jealous of her um, success. The boss like starts to really in public, like start to shame her in a way that everyone's really uncomfortable with, but no one is courageous enough to stop him. And so she sits there and she's just smiling and she's just going, mm -hmm, yep, I deserve this. Don't snap. Don't do anything wrong. Make it smooth. And it's that ominous voice that's saying it. And all of a sudden the screen is like fading to red and you can just see her like collapsing in herself. And I was like, okay, well, that's a great example of an inner voice that's been developed to keep you safe, possibly in childhood. So you wouldn't get slapped or punished, right? Physically harmed perhaps. So you could get through the day-to-day in your home life but as an adult is that working for violet slash olivia munn not so much and so her thing in the movie is to just stop listening to the voice because she's at a point where she's like it doesn't feel good it makes me feel terrible and it's this really sweet movie and every time she takes a step in the direction of like there's this um a sense of golden light that kind of shows up through the film for when it, it actually matches her, but she's never been allowed to have it. When she like very scarily, she's so scared to do it. But when she starts to make the choices to go in that direction, you just see the voice lose power. And it's like really cool. And so that's a thing that like I've been thinking about the past couple of weeks because I was like, that is really important because we can start to reshift and change as adults, our inner voices, but it can be very, very scary. And I think that's what the film really helped illuminate the most is that the conscious decision to change the soundtrack that's been going on for such a long time in our heart or in our stomach or in our mind um, is, is scary because we haven't, we weren't able to do it when we were really young or we weren't able to practice it 
in confidence, right? And so it's kind of like, if we go to the psychological perspective, right? The ego is constantly protecting us, right? And it's why we end up snapping or having these weird conversations or arguments or like uh, ego battles that people have because they can't be wrong because if they're wrong, they're going to be punished or something like that, right? Even though the thing about it is not even really real or consequential. Everyone's ego could step aside. We'd have a lot more um, productive conversations around the planet, wouldn't we? Um, but so, so how do you how do you start to step into the bravery of doing the opposite thing when you know and you don't even know what the opposite thing is sometimes. Um, it's like, um, yeah, how do you just know not to listen to the voice when the voice feels like it's had such control? And so um, that film actually made me think about a way that I had been using my voice in a way. And um, I had it, I decided to do an experiment. Um, I, I didn't just decide it analytically. I kind of emotionally decided it um, because I, parts of that film really resonated with me. And I think if anyone watches it, it might have highlights for, for you. I think particularly if you had a bit of a more emotionally tumultuous childhood, mine wasn't like what Violet's was with a really abusive and punishing mother figure. Like I didn't have that, but there was a lot of like emotion. I would call it emotional chaos in my house growing up and parts of it like shaped a lot of who I am. And um, I realized that what I have been doing is I've been hiding a lot of grief around some things over the past um, 10 years. And I have this voice that definitely comes up and it hit me over the holidays. I was like, and after I watched the movie, I was like, that's what that is. Because I still, um, I will like punish myself in my mind for not doing certain things with my parents in ways that like, I wish I could be doing them. And I will start to sort of spin out and think about, well, this is why I can't do it. And I'll try to start to explain my behavior or I'll try to really analyze and understand their behavior, even though I have no deep insight into like the workings of what they're doing. I can see what they're doing on the surface. And I understand that there's a lot of operating out of wounds, but am I better than them? Right. So I'm like, start like trying to question myself. Like, is that very, like, are you being a good daughter? There's all these constructs, right. That I have, and I just never talk about it. I never talk about it super in depth about the grief that I've experienced and not having what I thought I would have in like adult parent child relationship with my parents who are both still with us and alive. And, um, I don't talk, my husband gets to hear about it a lot, or he gets to hear me cry about things a lot. And, um, a couple of my close friends like know what's been going on, but I've never talked about it. And the, inner voice that I had was shielding me through pride, blame, shame, projecting, like all these other behaviors to just kind of keep me safe from acknowledging some of the profound grief that I have. And I didn't know how to let the grief out or access it. I'm not super skilled in like grief. Um, it's just because I'm, I'm kind of like, I realized I had this hard line. I'm like, well, if nobody died, everything's fine. <laughs> and that's not true. It's not always fine, as we know. And I know that for other people, but I didn't know how to have that for myself. My voice doesn't allow that for me, right? And I can think about where that came from, right? Like my mom wasn't allowed to have grief. Nope, not really. My dad isn't allowed to have grief. Mm -mm, not really. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're not sad. Everything is okay, right? And it's not okay. I'm very sad. And I'm laughing and smiling right now because it's like, I'm past where I was even three weeks ago on this. 
But um, it was really interesting. And for me, the, the, the doing the opposite of the voice, which is what Violet was doing in the movie, she was like, I'm just not going to do that thing that the voice is telling me to do. I'm just not going to do it. And she would make a really distinct personal choice that was actually her true inner voice standing up for herself. And for me, it was like, I have to talk about this. And so I started to talk about it. And I actually talked about it once. I wrote a very long blog post that was separate from what I usually write about or what I talk about is much more personal. And I sat there and I clicked send and I even wrote in there. It's like, I'm going to go back and edit this 8 million times and or completely take it down. I'm pretty sure. And I haven't taken it down, but I have gone back and edited it because simply putting it out into the world and having some people write back to me about what it meant to read something like that for them pushed me into deeper understanding of what I was doing and how my voice, the one that was really afraid of experiencing grief and also afraid of just doing things wrong and dishonoring my parents, was actually the thing keeping me from being able to transmute like a lot of the pain of what is from happening. And like stuff has definitely shifted over the past, I guess it's been about three weeks since I originally wrote that because I ignored the voice that said, don't talk about this. Don't tell people about your family stuff. Don't hide. Like, just don't, you know, like keep holding on to the guilt for being a bad daughter, like all those things. And it's, it's totally shifted. And I'm like, I did the opposite. I talked about it. I wrote about it and I wrote about it in a way finally, because there's been like other work that's had to happen where I'm not upset at my parents. I'm actually able to see them for where they're at. And when I interact with some of their behaviors, do I enjoy it? Not always. Absolutely not. Um, I'm sure they don't enjoy me all the time. Absolutely not. But um, it's the the permission to be messier. And I think that's okay. It's kind of like what it was, right? The permission to be messier and not perfect within a family construct, which is totally a picture my mom had, right? That I didn't realize I adopted so much as my own to have like really good, like it looks good on paper kind of stuff. And it's like, no, it, the, the paper was like a scratch ink drawing over a, a mess pile, right? Like no one dealt with so many important things and no one was abused or really hurt or anything, but like there was a lot of emotional damage that like took place because of hiding and not addressing stuff. And so I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And I could take my voice and say, I'm not going to listen to the you that says protect all this and hide it. I'm going to do the opposite. And it, it made movement happen. So for you, you may not have that exact situation. I mean, how could you? Um, but what are you going to do if you want to be uncovering your inner voice? And so here's a hint. And it's really tricky because it's about nuance and discernment for what you're feeling inside of your body. But I've got a couple rules of thumb for getting into your body to kind of figure out what your inner voice really is. And the first thing I'll say is that if you're it's hard to know if you're trying to escape your body all the time, but I think, I think you might get what I mean when I say it. Like, but people aren't present, they're not in their body. They're in their phone, they're in their computer, they're in their um, whatever thing that they're watching on TV. Or sometimes it's even like they're in a book and the book is not as an escapist kind of thing as opposed to something that they're reading for actual real pleasure and enjoyment. There's a line when it happens because we can't be in ourselves because it's too messy. And that's the sense of being out of your body. So before you try to go and like 
go figure out the true nature of your inner voice. Check in if you're getting into your body, because this could be a longer process. And I don't mean that to discourage you. I mean that to set up the expectation that it's important to be in our bodies. And that's Honestly, for me, I have found that through movement. I have found that through mindfulness and meditation. And I have found that through supports that I get through acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and um, uh, like yoga practice, honestly. And you can decide what works for you. That's the thing. There's not any perfect tried and true method. Everyone will try to sell you the thing that's like, this is the way to get in for inner peace. And it's like, you got to figure out what works for you. Um, we're all like uniquely a little bit different, but get into the body, find a method to start practicing that brings you in. If even for five minutes a day that gets you separate from thinking about what people are saying or getting distracted. It's if you're getting, like I had a very distracted day yesterday where I couldn't focus on one thought can like all the way through to the finish line. And I had to like, stop and think, what was I doing five seconds ago that made me think of this? And I was like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just chasing things outside of my body. It's weird. And I had to go meditate for half an hour to come back in. Um, but it's getting into the body. So you can start to feel and experience what sensations are. And that practice will start to help you discern thoughts that are going through the mind, right? Thoughts that are going through the mind and starting to notice that they are thoughts. Like I have this episode, first episode of my podcast, Inner Light with Ellen, with Dr. Tia Ho. And we're talking about how we're always a blue sky and our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are clouds going across the blue sky. And I think it's lovely to think about getting back to being only blue sky in nature, but we're always going to have clouds going through and it's knowing enough to get observational with it, that our thoughts are not us is like the next step there. Our thoughts are not us. They're the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that we're habituated to going through our minds, activating experiences we had that help reinforce the perspective that it is us, but it's actually not us. And we can start to get some space from it. And we can get some space from our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I don't mean disassociate from them. I mean, actually be so present that we can see that they are not exactly us, even though they are a part of our experience. You will start to discern the findings within that of your inner voice, because I'll give you a hint. Your inner voice feels good to you. Your inner voice, your inner voice supports you and loves you and allows you to feel wholeness despite the conditions around you, if there may be unwholeness, right? All right. That's time for me today. And um, I would love if you have questions, feel free to contact me. Um, you can find me on my website, ellenwyomingdeloy.com. I do coaching. I've got new coaching packages for 2022 lined up, um, two different life coaching packages and work for emerging entrepreneurs, as well as folks who are in an executive space in their work. Um, you can check them out. I also do intuitive readings. You can book those as well. So just go to my website and you'll see everything that's there to tinker around with. And I really look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being here on the pause. Whenever you are listening and wherever you're listening from, we hope this time gives you some space from your day to reflect and gain some insight into where you're going and how you can make your next steps count. If you're really looking to jump into your personal growth journey, schedule a free consultation with me and learn how my coaching can help you to start taking meaningful action in your life today. Visit my site, ellenwyomingdeloy.com. See you next time.